We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Deck the halls with hands of holly. La 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 la. What's the matter, Margaret? Jack Frost nipping at your nose. <laughs> Mr. Lind, I've been your housekeeper for 15 years. So will you trust me when I tell you something? Of course, Margaret. It's not Christmas. <laughs> Why don't you go dust? <laughs> Here comes Peter What is it then? A Chinese New Year? A April Fool? May Day? Pay Day? A VJ Day? Groundhog Day? Smile when I get warm. You, uh, you can smile, can't you? I'll give you a hint. It's full of witches and spooks and strange creatures of the night. Oh, it sounds like Hollywood Squares. <laughs> we go through this every year. You know perfectly well what holiday it is. Okay, okay. <laughs> Happy Halloween, everybody. <laughs> Will be. It's the Paul Lynn Halloween Special, starring Paul Lynn, with Paul's special guests, Tim Conway, Roz, Pinky, Tuscadero, Kelly, Margaret Hamilton, Billy Hayes, Billy Barty, Special guest star, Florence Henderson. A special appearance by Betty White. And a rock and roll explosion, Kiss. And now, the Paul Lynn Halloween Special. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, I'm Paul Lynn. Well, somebody had to be. <laughs> Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Nightfly Show. I'm Dave Juskow, and that was <laughs> me trying to do Sammy Davis Jr. <laughs> I hope you liked it. 
It's ridiculous, as uh, just as ridiculous as the opening uh, Paul and Halloween special. But here we are, and it is Halloween, and uh, you know, if uh, you're not going to dress up as Sammy Davis uh, without the black face, then what's the point of Halloween in general? So I figure if I'm going to put something with all those uh, stars at Halloween um, that no one's ever heard of before, I might as well just try uh, an imitation uh, nobody uh, is ever going to know again with Sammy Davis. Don't go to bed with them. <laughs> oh, I don't know why. I've been waiting to do that for years. Keep your eye. Well, yes, a strange way to start the show, but it's Halloween, so we're, we're going for it all, right? How about the Halloween special? Oh. How much do I now just want to do a Halloween special just like that with the same, not the same lineup, obviously, but I mean a lineup that is just as good as that. Margaret Hamilton, Billy Hayes, who we all know as Witchy Poo, and the, 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 the genie from Lidsville, Billy Barty, Tim Conway, Roz, Pinky, Tuscadero, Kelly, Betty White, Florence Henderson, Donnie and Marie Osmond, which they didn't even have in the credits, and Kiss. I am trying to sit here thinking of who I would have in my Halloween special that would be as creative as that. And I'm just not positive. I should have made a list before we started, but I was just going through it. I'm like, oh, I'm going to play the Halloween special. And then when I saw the opening credits, I'm like... I have to come up with my own list of people that would just fit this category. I mean, obviously, David Tell would be in it, which would be hilarious. What would be the perfect band? It would have to be something like, um, oh, I mean, who's still even around? I mean, you know, I'm still thinking of the 90s because there are no bands like that anymore. We get the Foo Fighters, right? Something like that. I I mean, who who plays rock and roll anymore? No one. It would have been, you know, a last ditch effort for van halen maybe just before see you see you see people you should have made me uh more popular so i could put something like together a long time ago that way i could have we could have had this golden moment with van halen as the guest i'm trying to think who the perfect well we could probably still get betty white so we would definitely want to use her the question is would i do it as myself or would i do it a little a little like paul lynn <laughs> maybe just a little gay since he had all these gay icons I don't know. I should have just done it anyway. I should have just do it by myself in my apartment during COVID. I, I should be putting shows together in front of my green screen anyway. I've been trying to do that anyway. I just, I've been very lazy. Not, you know, I've been going back to my old ways. I feel like lately, you know, I'm going off Nutrisystem for a few days while I, until I get to the next month. Mostly because, you know, I'm going out for a steak dinner on Monday. Very excited about that. Uh, well, it'll already have happened. I'm taping this on Saturday. comes out on Tuesday. So, yes, me and my friends Lee and Laura are going to Wolfgang Steakhouse. Very excited. You know, we go there. We usually go there four times a year, but everything's been put on hold. I guess we have to sit outside. And once again, you know, just trying to come up with some folks to come out, go out with on Sunday. And we have a lot of difficulties. But the most important, the thing is, I'm I'm waking up and I just got... I got nothing to do and nowhere to go. Now, I know everybody's like that, but it feels like everything's getting back to normal, and I just have nothing to do. And I don't have any money coming in. I'm not, so I'm getting a little 
nervous. Now, Wednesday, I did go out. See, now, see, then, then there's days like Wednesday, which makes you think everything's going to be all right. So the, the whole key, and, and my throat is a, a mess in the sense of, uh, you know, like you've probably heard me, you know, clearing my throat and stuff lately. This time of the year seems to be a problem for me when I had a doctor, you know, back in the day when I could afford healthcare. Um, he would give me this flow nase because during this time of the year, I, I don't know, you know, some, my throat is a problem and, uh, you know, maybe it's some sort of seasonal allergies or something like that. So I can never get right. That's when I usually take my uh, acid reflux pills and stuff like that. And it, it helps. So I might have trouble with my throat right now. I'm fine. I haven't been drinking or anything. So everything should go according to plan. You know, if I do drink the night before, it usually gets worse. So, Everything's fine. Anyway, just wanted to tell you because, you know, I sit here before I go on and I'm like, you know, like an old man. I mean, I am an old man, but I'm just saying, you know, you don't need to. You don't need to act like one all the time. Anyway, uh, I'm all over the place. I. uh, So, you know, on Wednesday, I had a show outside. Now, the Fairfield one, which would have been tonight, is canceled because uh, the guy who books it is kind of just dicked me over. There's nothing else I can say. The guy who runs it like, just dicked me over, and I think he just calls me. He's like, hey, you should work with tell. And I'm like, okay. And then I talk to tell, and he's like, I would have done it if this had happened and that happened. And I'm like, you know what? It's too embarrassing again. I don't want it to be like that Long Island thing. Attell and I are in a good place, but I know he has other openers he uses because he's trying to employ everybody that doesn't have any money. So, you know, what happens with tell is as soon as they release his schedule, he has these guys that call him. He's like, can I open for you? And he's very kind, actually. And, uh, you know, he has all these guys that open for him. Should I be his uh, permanent opener? Yes. But that's all right. But, you know, you know how it is when we're on the road together anyway. So I wish I was somebody's permanent opener. But um, whatever, you know, I'll go from person to person, which is fine with me. I just want to get some work, right? But there's no work to be had. Anyway, this girl puts on a show in the uh, in the East Village on Wednesdays. This Wednesday and Thursday are her last show. It's on 6th Street. It's called like 6th Street Comedy or something. And she has this open, you know, venue in this alleyway next to a synagogue and something right in the East Village, like Avenue B and Six, a place where I still can't believe people, um, you know, white people, quite frankly, if uh, we're being honest, go to and hang out and are okay walking around at night because, you know, again, my friend got an apartment there in 1988 and it was fucking dangerous. And that was when that was when it was called Alphabet City, and now it's just so funny, you know. I mean, when you when you reach a certain age and you've seen, you know, neighborhoods change, that's when you know you're old. And I'm just, you know, but in my head, it's always still 1988, and I'm like, how can you just be a young girl living here? You know, I'm like crazy. So she puts together this show, and because you know, COVID, she's become a rock star, kind of like me, but in the producer way, where she can get all these amazing people. She's like 26. And the lineup was Jessica Curson, me, whatever, uh, Phil Hanley, Todd Barry. I mean, that's unbelievable. Uh, you're not going to get that lineup in a pre-COVID world, you know, not for a show like that for 10, 15 people. So that was amazing. And uh, but again, it was just good to go out, you know, and do anything and. That's the key to life, really, to interact with people. And I've just been sitting at home and doing nothing, maybe just not wanting to go out and spend money. But, I mean, there's really nothing open and that there is. You know, what are you, you going to do? And, you know, I like to stay home because I try not to drink. I was just talking to Olga yesterday. She's like, I'm drinking every night. I'm like, I I know it. 
you know, I mean, that's the problem. You go out, you know, you, you have, for somebody like me who, does, who performs sporadically, you know, I like drinking after because it's like a celebrate. Hey, what a night, huh? You know, whatever. So, you know, I would have to. So I told her, I'm like, you know, you got to I think you got to just spend one night where you do your show and then just say, I'm going home tonight. You know, which is, I guess, what I would do if I was performing every night like she does. But I don't. And um, but, you know, so uh, it was fun. We, you know, I went there and then uh, it was great to see everybody. And it, the show didn't go that great for me, but that's my fault. And uh, then Todd was there and he's like, do you want to get dinner? And I'm like, sure. OK, so we went and we actually went. And he's like, what do you want? I'm like, Chinese food. I'll always say Chinese food because nobody ever wants to go. And he goes, I, I know a place. I'm like, you do. And we sat and ate Chinese food. It was delicious at this outdoor place on 6th Street and 2nd Avenue. It was a beautiful night, a beautiful October night. It was a little humid, but in the 60s, so it was perfect. could take off my jacket while I was eating. Service was awful, but the food was excellent. And it wasn't anybody's fault. I mean, I think all service is awful because they don't have their full staff because, you know, they can't afford it. So, they, you know, they got one guy waiting tables and the owner probably helping. So whatever, right? And, they, and and the guy spoke no English whatsoever. So, and Todd needs to eat immediately. You know, you got to take care of him. You got to make sure he's okay. But it was fun. You know, we, we don't usually eat dinner together, you know, unless Sarah's with us. So uh, it was actually very nice to um, hang out and have dinner together. And then, um, and then I walked home after that, you know which is a nice walk and it was a beautiful night like I said of course now I'm now that I have that citizens app I'm terrified to walk home uh <laughs> like the way I've been doing all these years now I see all the incidents that happen in my neighborhood let alone around 2nd Avenue in the 40s I think de Blasio put another homeless shelter there and there's been so much goings on there and I'm walking up there on 2nd Avenue and I'm like uh Jesus, it look there's a bunch of troublemakers just sitting around, which was normally not the case. And uh, you know, if that seems racist, then maybe I don't know. You know, look, I mean, now I'm I'm second guessing everything because of this app. Because they see so much stuff that happens, but it's very clear what's happening in that neighbor, just like what's happening on the Upper West Side when he put the the homeless shelter there. There's you know, it's an issue. And stuff is happening. You know, it's real. So it's not like I'm just sitting there going, uh, oh, I'm afraid because there's uh, awkward people here. No, there's real stuff happening, and it's you know I read it on the stupid app. I just got to get rid of it, but yet it's also helpful because on Thursday, you know, I went to Rotas, and I'm coming home, and I was thinking about you know going. I went to Target, so I, you know if I have groceries, sometimes I'm thinking maybe I'll drop stuff off my house. Well, thank God I had that app because they're like there's a whole mess going on the Queensboro Bridge, and I'm like, what what is happening now? And they closed the whole upper level for police activity. And so then I know my whole neighborhood is going to be packed with cars and nonsense, and and it was. And what was the activity we found out later? It was a kid climbing the bridge as a, a YouTube stunt that he was climbing the bridge, and they had to close everything down. Don't those kids know and the protesters know that it affects Dave Juskow when you do that kind of stuff? Doesn't anybody know by now? Oh, it's so annoying. But in that sense, that app was very helpful. So I know, like, I better just let me just put the car in the garage and get rid of it. So I don't got to worry about anything. But anyway, back to um, Wednesday. Then, uh, you know, I walked home and I was talking to my friend Lee on the line all the way home. And we were talking about going to Wolfgang's. And I'm like, oh, let me 
Let me check it out. I'm going to walk past it. Let me see what it's like outdoors. And that's why I went up that particular way. And then I went to the restaurant just to see what their outside looks like. And I'm like, ugh. I I don't know what I was thinking. I guess I thought it would be in this little nook area or whatever, but it's all on the you know on the street, and I mean it's long and it looks okay, but I think I'm sick of eating on the street with traffic and cars and noise. Uh, you know I want to always eat inside. It, it seems nice to eat inside in a nice area. Sometimes places got it down, but you know like while we were on Queens Boulevard the other day, I mean it's so ridiculous. And, uh, you know, so I've been trying to find, like, you know, somebody to go out with on Sunday, on Sunday nights, just to get a little sushi or something. And, like, all the sushi places, they don't have outdoor seating. And it's such a mess and everything. I don't know. what I mean, I don't want things to go back to normal. And I actually hope they close up things again. But yet, I don't know. I kind of need things to go back to normal, I guess, to make some form of living. And I don't even know what I'm going to do. I actually asked that uh, Arcade 1-Up if they want to sponsor the show again, you know, the place to make the video games again. I'm like, come on, fellas. It's going to be fun. We'll promote the new Star Wars pinball machine. It's going to be awesome. You know, because they have shown interest, but, uh, you know, I do like their products very much, so I would like to talk about them. But I don't know how many sponsors I'll get, you know, when you go with the uh, the, the rants about uh, restaurants that serve cold coffee. I You know, I don't know who you're getting for that, but uh, whatever the case may be... <laughs> I'm trying, trying to find out some way to make a living. Uh, anyway, when I got home uh, Wednesday, uh, it was nice. I had a long talk with uh, Phil Hanley. I don't know if you know him. He's a terrific comic, and uh, we talked for like an hour. And, you know, it's it's like we talked for an hour when I got home. Then I talked to a tell. So, you know, on those particular days, I feel like a comic, you know, and that and that makes me feel good, like everything can work out. I'm ha- I'm leading the comedy life. I did a show. I went out to dinner with one of the comics. Then I talk on the phone for two hours, you know, until four in the morning. This is what comics do, even though I've never been a real comic. You know, you're up until three or four in the morning because you're wound up because you just did a show. I try and go to bed early. Phil's like, I still go to bed at four in the morning. I'm like, well, you know, I had a regular job for 20 years, so I'm kind of used to trying to go to bed earlier. But I totally understand you know, being wound up after a show, even if you're a low energy act, it's most difficult for comics to fall asleep before 4 a.m. because there's no reason for them to wake up early. But I'm still in the, you know, I'll always still be in the mode. I'm like, well, I got to try and wake up early and get stuff done. But, you know, what am I doing? What am I, what am I doing? What am I, what am I doing? I just work on that Tuesday show. Now, I don't know whether you saw this week's show. It was another good one. Lenny Marcus, Dan Natterman, and Marina. It was a lot of fun again at a special time at 7 p.m. Now, this week, I just think these shows are going great. You know, I got all the pictures. I showed you the modeling pictures I have of me and and Sophia and this other girl. It's really funny. I'm taking all these modeling pictures, you know, with my new slim belly. (laughs) Uh, But this week, forget about it. I mean, tonight. Alex Sulkin, the executive producer in charge and writer of our favorite movie, Ted, will be on the Tuesday show at 8 o'clock on YouTube, the Comedy Cellar Nightly channel. Chris Regan, who is also a co-producer of Family Guy and somebody I went to college with and a writer for The Daily Show, which I helped him get that job, will also be on the show. He's been on our podcast before. And my friend, Mike Royce, who is now the showrunner for One Day at a Time. 
the Latino version. You know, I like to say it that way. Now, that is a great show. Don't go telling me that's not an interesting show. That's an interesting lineup. Now, for the week after, it's election day. So I was trying to figure out what to do. First of all, my show's canceled. It's not totally canceled. It's just that the Comedy Cellar is doing a live election day show, which I'll be a part of. But that's going to go on for like four hours and they don't even care. Like I took the list. I'm like, how does this affect my show? She's like, all right. Uh, it's it. You can't do it. Uh, is that a good response? It's pretty good. Anyway, I'm doing it at five o'clock in the afternoon. I don't care. I just want to keep it going. I could have done it Wednesday. I could have done whatever. But I'm like, I don't care doing a five o'clock show on election day. That's cool. So we're going to do it at five o'clock in the afternoon. And you know who I'm going to put on? Like, just I don't even think I'm going to get comments. I think I might have my sister on. I think I'll have Olga on. I mean, it's just like, you know, I'll just have other people on, maybe some newer comics because, you know, it's election day. I don't know what comics are like into that kind of stuff. Not me so much, but, you know, other people that care. And speaking of this election, well, first of all, today's the first day, again, recording on Saturday where I could early vote. So I'm thinking about going downtown. I'm just worried. I don't want to sit online for an hour or two. Um, So I might check that out. Otherwise, I can vote all week. So maybe I'll just during the week, I'll head down. It's like all the way on 24th Street, which seems silly to go so far to vote early. But I I mean, I guess I could technically wait till Election Day. I just don't know how that's going to happen or what's going to happen that day. And I assume everybody's been mailing in. So it probably should be an easy walk. But I don't like where I vote anyway. It's on a fifth floor and you got to catch the elevator there. And the elevator is the slowest elevator ever. I mean, it's really messed up. I guarantee there's no other voting place where you got to catch an elevator where everybody's got to pack themselves into an elevator to go vote. And nobody's going to want to go in that elevator. They can't pack as many people as they usually do during COVID. So that's the worst place to vote ever. And I didn't get the mail-in ballot because I didn't trust it for a minute. And I knew I was going to be here. And I don't give a shit. If I'm wearing a mask, I don't feel like I'm going to catch anything. So I don't care. I don't care if everybody's stuffed into the elevator. I mean, but it's just sick. You know, an elevator to go vote that's weird and i don't know of any other places that where you have to do that but so i might go there later we'll see but um yeah i watched the debates and that was fun and i really i, I i'll tell you i really don't know what the hell's gonna happen even i watched fox news which you know is, is fun to watch because the way they they spin everything and uh every you know but i was watching all my friends tweets um you know, uh, during the debate, which is fun. You know, Bill Maher is so funny. So he was great. And Sarah, Sarah, I don't, she's just the same thing all the time. So it's not funny or anything. She's too serious. You know, you just want her to be funny, but it's not. And everybody's praising Kristen Welker, you know, the, uh, well, cause I used to watch her on the Today Show all the time, the moderator. And then when you get the Fox News, like, I, you know, I follow Ann Coulter as well. They're like, this moderator sucks, you know, <laughs> like, it's really funny. I think it's hilarious to get the other side. I just don't understand why nobody else thinks that's awesome. How do you not want to know what they're thinking? How do you not want to know what's uh, how they're spinning stuff? It's doesn't isn't it important to kind of know what the other folk or what they're thinking, what their plan is or whatever? Isn't don't you need to be well informed on every subject before you start yelling at me for being quote undecided? And it is funny because I do go back and forth sometimes, but I, I'm I'm going to go for Biden this time. I'm I'm going to make the move. Um, you know, it's it's just time. I I don't. I mean, the way he's handled the virus has been god awful, god awful. And that 
should be a reason for having him removed but there's other stuff that's okay but it's uh yeah it's time i mean i you know i'm just worried because i don't think biden can do it but they all say that biden's ahead in the polls right by one even fox news like well he's ahead by one point or whatever but remember as we've been saying on this podcast for four goddamn years those polls are just stupid and those people who run those polls should be fired and they shouldn't have jobs because those polls are always wrong, at least when it comes to this particular election. We all know. I mean, Jesus Christ. You know I'm not the smartest person, but I must be the smartest person ever if I'm the only one that seems to realize those polls are wrong all the time. Because nobody wants to tell you they're voting for Trump because you know you're going to get an earful. So those polls are stupid, and it makes me nervous if Biden is winning, if they're saying it, because it means they're all wrong again. I don't know. I, I I I really just I don't know. I I know it's going to be entertaining and exciting. Am I nervous to see what happens living in New York City if Trump wins a little bit? But um, you know, I'll just stay inside and 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 hope for the best. Meanwhile, you know, nothing's going to be decided for a couple of weeks, I guess, with all the counting the mail-in votes and all that kind of stuff. There's no way. That's why I figured I'll just do my show regularly at eight o'clock because. Nope, there's not going to be any decision by 9 o'clock or by 11 o'clock or midnight or anything. So it should be entertaining. Dudes, come on. Dude. I mean, this is going to be great. I mean, the the this is the most important election in many, many years. You can't say of all time. But it's a good one. And this is like some Abe Lincoln shit. The country is divided. Who's going to win and what's going to happen and how angry are people going to be or whatever. It's going to be interesting. And, you know, how do you not love it? How do you not love it? It's a little scary. And it's also very entertaining. You know, I don't know. I'm kind of into it. So anyway, that's uh, that's in uh, that's next week. It's a week from today. This is coming out on Tuesday Halloween. All right. Uh, just looking up my notes. You know, I didn't really have that much except more uh, news kind of prepared and interesting stuff today because I didn't do anything. You know, I only went out on Wednesday and then I went to see Go Road on Thursday. Went to Target. I exchanged. I actually exchanged something. Usually I buy something from Target. I'm like, well, I'll just throw it out because it's not going to work. I'm not going back there. But I actually went there. I exchanged a shirt. I got a medium. I bought a shirt there. Yes. That's not where I usually shop, as you know. It's usually Tommy Bahamas. But I thought I thought with my new slim physique, <laughs> I could handle a medium. But it's also a slim fit shirt. So there was no way. So I had to go back and get a large. And when I went back, uh, the price had dropped like by $10. So sweet magic for me. Um, and it's still a little too tight. But that's all right. You know, maybe if I... Go back. I, I noticed I was at 190 now, so I gained five pounds. But that may, I weighed myself after we ate, of course, but I haven't been good about it, and I have not been strict, and I just uh, kind of wanted to take a break and let uh, kind of see if I could handle eating better without the system because that's the important thing. I can't do it forever. It's too expensive. If I... um you know, had money, I would probably just continue to buy the products and keep doing it on the days when I can because it's helpful. And again, just knowing what you're going to eat. Last night, it was Friday night. I wasn't doing anything again. I'm just sitting at home and I'm like, when when can I eat? When can I eat? And 
you know, because I can't eat any, you know, I, I have some raisin bread in the morning and coffee, and then I try and just wait till dinner. And then I'm just sitting there, I'm going like, oh, no, what do I, because I'm bored. I don't know what to do, so I'm just thinking about food. I'm like, well, what can I order that's not going to suck? And I got nothing. I do not know how to diet or whatever. And, of course, I'm, I guess I'm a little depressed and a little nervous and a little uptight. I don't know. I got to figure that out. I got to figure out how I can continue to keep my weight down at least or, you know, and not balloon up after the Nutrisystem period has passed. So whatever. I don't know what I'm going to do. Anyway, um, yeah, let's, is this what I wanted to do today? Yeah. All right, let's do this. Let's take a little break in the sense of um, what I did. When I was uh, going to Jersey on Thursday, I was listening to W, is it WFMU? I think it is. It's a small station in like, maybe they're in Jersey City. Or something. I thought it was a college station, but it's not. A lot of people know about it. And they were playing some music that was quite interesting. Um, actually, the first song I heard, and I wanted to figure out what it was, was this. So when I was listening to it, I was like, this is a, this song is awesome. Who does this? You know, and I like um, Shazammed it because I was on the road. And it's from Get Him to the Greek. I It could be Russell Brand singing, and I couldn't figure it out. So it's like a comedy song from that movie. It's not like a real song, you know, by, by the, the fake band that Russell Brand was the lead of in Get Him to the Greek, which is Infant Sorrow, which is funny. We got the clap. Get off the back of a toilet seat. I mean, that's it's really good. I mean, it's really good. And it was really, you know, it rocked for a fake song. And I like that kind of stuff, obviously, right? So then I was thinking of, because I guess they played something that was maybe made for FMU. So I was thinking about Adam Schlesinger and how much I missed him because it, what they were playing sounded a lot like his work so then after that song i guess they they well i i I know what happened i know what happened they were playing that thing you do after they played there you know at noon with the new dj was talking i don't know what happened they didn't i didn't i couldn't listen to the end but they were playing after that they just played that thing you do and i'm like oh wow this is amazing but what's the you know why why are they playing these particular songs in a row then they played the clap then they played this song wax lips and cornelius it's a picture perfect day for banana fish going ape wild for the strawberry blonde and girly one 
of my girly worm. She's the best thing I've ever known. So, you know, then I was like, well, you know, now I'm getting confused. I'm like, why are they, what, what do these songs have together? Because there's obviously some sort of mix. And what I found out was this guy, Mike Viola. And maybe you've heard of him before. I had never heard of him before. And he, he apparently, you know, after I, after I stopped the car, I was doing some research. And he apparently is the one who sings on that thing you do. He actually sings that thing you do. As, you know, it's not the, the actor's. He kind of co-produced it with Adam. Maybe it's all fishy because uh, he doesn't seem to give credit to Adam when he plays it in at parties and stuff. So I, I, I'm I'm confused of the relationship. I think they were friends, but I'm not positive. For me, that's why I'm talking about this. I feel like there might have been some sort of rivalry or something because it sounded. You know, I thought maybe they were playing all Adam Schlesinger stuff or all Fountains of Wayne stuff because it was very. There was some very similar moments to this mike viola um if that's how you pronounce his name and uh again then i just started to miss adam so much and his friendship let alone his amazing music so i did a little bit more research and it's just kind of funny because this guy's pretty good right he's pretty good but his songs miss for me they miss the joy of going to that place that Adam used to be able to take it. Um, I don't know if I'm explaining it correctly, but you know, when I listen to a song and a, and a catchy melody, you know, I'm always like, you know, when I hear something new, I'm always like, oh, please take me there. Please go to this next note. If you go to this next note, I'm going to be so happy. Like Ben Folds. You did that in his first album. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes you hear a band or a musician and, and they go to that place you want them to go. And I'm like, oh, man, that is so sweet. And maybe that's just for me. I don't know whether it's for everybody, but you assume my good melody is really terrific. And when you when they don't hit that note you're expecting, you get a little disappointed. I remember, uh, maybe this sounds awful, but there's a couple people I know like this where you're really rooting for them and they don't go. Well, actually, one is David Tell's sister. I, I probably shouldn't bring it up, but I I mean, she's such a delightful person. I mean, she really is great. But I remember she, you know, I, I, she's a very talented musician. But in her own songwriting, I, I was getting disappointed because I remember they were playing her stuff on the radio for a little bit. And I'm like, oh, man, I want this to be good. And I remember there was one song that started off so good. And then it went to this place. I'm like, no, no, no. No, I no, I, you needed to go. And who am I to say? You know, I mean, I I really could have called her. Like, no, 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 it needs to go here. What am I say? But yes, I got you know, I got some sort of ear, like you know, because I mean, I make a couple of catchy tunes myself, right? But I'm not. I just don't have the skills. But I know what makes a catchy tune, I guess. Or you know, I like I like I know pop music, and that's what Adam certainly knew. Adam was able to make that pop music and greatness you know put together i mean clearly all you have to do is listen to that thing you do and then you know this is a guy that can do whatever he wants he knows how to get you there and he knows like when you say i would like to make a pop song 
and he'll go, okay. And then he has his other songs where he's like, well, now we can try something this way. So I think I have an example of what I'm talking about. And again, of course, music is to everybody's own taste. Um, You know, so maybe you feel differently. Like I like what he did here, but for me, always listening for that hook because that's what I like. Uh, Sometimes these artists can't get it to me. And so here is an example of this guy, Mike Viola. And again, you know, it'd be horrible because I could probably get him on the show or something, but uh, this is called Soundtrack of My Summer. And and, and maybe you'll kind of be able to see where I'm like, oh, this sounds good. And then it doesn't go where I want it to go. And that's the best I can explain it. dream a singer when nobody's listening you're an optimist you think that everything works out your rising sun setting fire to the clouds you will be the soundtrack of Part I'm, that, that's the part I'm missing. It, 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 it goes the three part harmony. It's all building. It's building. I love it. I love it. Three part harmony. But I'm alone driving in my car. Isn't going to the place I needed to go. And that little tiny part where I needed to go to that next level that only Adam Schlesinger, the great Adam Schlesinger, can bring you to. I mean, there's a couple other people, but I'm just saying this for me. This is what made Adam so special in my life. And again, you know, one of those people where like, you, you can't even believe. He was my friend because this is how goddamn talented he was. He he bought me personally, and I, I you know I'm sure some of you are thinking like, yeah, I feel similar. And then there's people like, well, I don't see anything wrong with it. But for me, it was that that fourth thing, the three part harmony, and then it goes to the driving in my car, which doesn't work for me. But Adam would make that fourth part go where I'd be like, oh no way, seriously, like to myself. But you know what I'm saying? I mean that that would. Make me this exuberant, if I use that word right, joy of going to that that fourth line and that chorus to the musical 
note that I needed there to be. And that's what Adam would bring. Like, like I said that t- last Christmas when I was at uh, uh, Kmart at Penn Station and I heard the Christmas uh, with an alien song or whatever it's called. I want an alien for Christmas from Fountains of Wayne. And I heard the song and I'm like, boy, this is terrific. And I'm listening to the song. I'm like, boy, this is really good. And then I, you know, I, and it gets to that chorus and it brings me where I want to be. I just Sam, and it's goddamn Adam Schlesinger. You know what I'm saying? And I texted him. I'm like, dude, I don't know what it is about you, but you make things work for me. And so there could be plenty of people who are like, oh, I love the way this goes. But for me, it's one step off, you know, because here, well, here's the example. Now, here we played this on the thing before, but this is the Fountains of Wayne Mexican wine, which is, um, you know, that wasn't super popular or anything. I mean, they were if you were a Fountains of Wayne fan. But even though I don't care for the opening that much, the chorus goes to where I need it to be. He was killed by a cellular phone explosion. They scattered his ashes across the ocean. The water was used to make baby lotion. The wheels of promotion were set into motion. But the sun still shines in the summertime. I'll be yours if you'll be mine I tried to change, but I changed my mind Think I'll have another glass of Mexican wine Yep to change but i changed my mind think i'll have another glass of mexican wine uh, now it it's so right he just it was when he goes to the the different key change i think right in the second line that's what works for me 
better. And even the instrumental after the chorus goes to the level I need it to go. That makes me happy that says this song somehow this melody speaks to me, you know, whether it's the lyrics or whatever, it's not so much, but the melody is just like what I need to hear at this moment right now. And now listening to it, knowing he's dead is like actually kind of depressing. It, it's actually, it's, it's, it's filling, but it's not, it's, um, ugh. you know, it's funny. I, you know, I never really care when people die. It doesn't affect me in any way, but for some reason this one does, I guess, because, you know, we were only friends for a few years and, you know, I just really liked his work so much and he had so much more that was coming and so much more to offer and, you know, he won't be able to, if Sarah ever does get to do that play, he won't be able to, you know, get the accolades from it. And he was going to work more on Broadway. He was really trying to do more stuff. Remember, he was up for Beetlejuice and everything. And boy, he, he just had so much more to give. And I guess that's what bothers me so much is like some people, you know, like our friend Vic Henley, who I, I do think about all the time. But it's just like, I'm like, well, Vic was this and Vic was that. But, but, Schlesinger, he, you know, I mean, he just had so much more to offer the world. I'm not saying Vic didn't, but it's just, and uh, ironically, you know, now that I think about it, the new Borat film is out and I'm looking forward to seeing it. And Vic probably might have been working on it because, you know, he worked on um, uh, the gay one, uh, Bruno. So, goddamn, these fucking talented folk that just keep dying. It's really frustrating. And Adam was just the shit. And uh, here, I guess, is this other guy who I never heard of before Thursday who I, I don't know whether he's angry, but I mean, if there is something to it, he, he would never, he just wasn't as good as Adam. Adam was the, sh- I mean, he's good. And he, he I mean, he's, that, that song in uh, Forget Him of the Greek is brilliant. This guy, he's um, uh, worked on some other movies too. Uh, let me see, I think I have his, uh, yeah. Uh, He's done other, he's like really good, like Adam writing, you know, fake songs that are a great idea. Um, yeah, you'd say they co-produced the thing, but I'm not so sure. Co-produced, right, he didn't write it. So, yeah, he did uh, the music for the Dewey Cox story. So I guess he, uh, John C. Riley likes working with him and um, get him to the Greek, right? He wrote all these songs for get him to the Greek for Russell Brand's character, all the snow. So, I mean, he, you know, he, he does exactly what Adam does. And there was probably some sort of rivalry there since I just never heard of him before. It's kind of weird. And maybe they didn't get along. But there's no doubt he's very talented. It's just that, you know, when I heard it and I heard, they played that thing you do, I put them together in my head and I just realized how much I missed Adam. Well, let's just move on. We don't want to make this a super sad show or anything but it's not because we still have his music and it really does cheer you up right adam's still the greatest and he was just he's just such a great guy i know goddamn coronavirus Ooh, now i hate this president although that i don't think was his fault i think the fault is that you know what's funny when i was listening to the Bates, he was talking about making new ventilators i think the ventilators is what killed a lot of people early on i don't think that was the answer that's that's what I've been hearing. So when I hear the president touting that he's like, "Yeah, we, we have so many." I wish I could do the invitation. <laughs> we got, it's gonna be it's gonna be great. It's gonna be. Good. Uh, I do it more like uh, 
<laughs> my Trump impersonation, which is awful, is more like the kid from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Uh, I can't think of his name who wears, you know, the, the, the Detroit Red Wings shirt. Cameron. Cameron's imitation of the Sausage King. Oh, Rooney. Oh, you listen to me. <laughs> it's going to be beautiful. We have a lot of ventilation. <laughs> I can't believe I figured out what I was doing. Oh, look, Rooney. <laughs> I bet you I can get that guy on the show. I know I keep saying that, but you just got to do the work. And uh, I just don't put enough time into it. So the shows that I've been watching, because this is, again, very important, since uh, there's really nothing open entertainment-wise to do, uh, I finished Emily in Paris. I got to tell you, it was fantastic. Whether 10 episodes or eight episodes, it was great. I mean, seriously, if you like Sex in the City, and I do, and you like hot girls, and, uh, you know, I'm just going to say it, and you like hot guys, <laughs> uh, it was great. It was really good. Great season finale. I uh, really enjoyed it. I highly recommend if you are half gay. <laughs> Uh, no, but if you just like, you know, a, a good story and obviously it was shot in Paris. So that was kind of great. Uh, good twist, good writing, Emily in Paris, go figure. You know, the funny thing is at the end, uh, I'm not, I don't think I'm giving any spoilers, but you know, the, this girl, Lily Collins, we were talking about last week, you know, it's, she is, you know, a model, I guess she's a model, she's a writer, actor, whatever she is, right. Phil Collins, the water she can do whatever she wants. But it's funny, you know, when, like when Sarah Jessica Parker, I remember in a couple of, uh, or maybe there was one episode where she was modeling some clothes and you're like, what, what is this? I mean, she's certainly thin enough to, but it's funny because when they have Lily Collins do it at some point, you're like, well, this makes sense. Why not? You know, it, it, it didn't, it wasn't like one of those things where like, why don't you do it? And like me. And it's not like some sort of fantasy. You could say she's certainly thin enough that she could fit in and you could see her doing it. Whereas I remember when such Jessica Parker do it, I go like, I don't, I just, something isn't working, even though she definitely has the body for a model as stick thin bone. But this one worked. I, I got to tell you, it was really fun. I started watching the show on Amazon Prime called The Boys. I think I told you I have been enjoying that a little bit. So I watch that every morning, but it's been okay. And finally, last night, I watched two episodes of, I think I had told you about this about three weeks ago. It's called Julia, I think it's called Julia and the Phantoms. I didn't realize it's more of a kid show. It's more like a Disney show. Um, the There was a rock band in the 90s, and they die, and then they, they don't haunt her, but they're ghosts that apparently only she can see unless she's playing music, then everybody can see them. I, 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 it's, it's ridiculous, and it's not very good, but I'm not not enjoying it. And now here's a great example of somebody that's writing some songs for this show, Julie and the Phantoms on Netflix. And they're just not as good as Adam Schlesinger. You know, the songs are okay. Just like, you know, the, somebody's writing all those Disney songs for all those kids things that whatever. Um, but they're okay. You know, they're just okay. But if Adam was uh, writing those songs, this show would maybe be a phenomenon, at least for you and me. So it's definitely a kid. I didn't think it was a kid show, but it's a kid show. But I'm not hating on it. I'm going to watch it all. Um, I also watched the, like the fourth episode of Ratchet, which is working and not working at the same time. It's not as entertaining. Nothing so far has been as entertaining as Emily in Paris, if I can be honest. I, I've also continued to watch Woke. 
on Hulu. Uh, I should know his name, but the black guy from New Girl. And that's getting better. Remember I told you I didn't care if the first two episodes weren't as good as I wanted them to be. But that's been um, getting a little better, too. I think I'm, I got three more episodes left. It's only eight episodes. But, you know, if we're all looking for stuff, this is pretty good. Also, I think I told you uh, Showtime has a documentary on the Comedy Store. It's a five-part documentary. The uh, fourth part will have aired this past Sunday. It's pretty good. That's actually really good. Really, really entertaining, and they have the footage. And I did think we did talk about it last week because I was talking about that Rick Newman doesn't have enough footage uh, for catcherizing star stuff. But yeah, that's pretty good. So those are the shows I'm watching and enjoying very much. I uh, but again, they uh, I was talking. My mother, I had my mother started watching, and she liked it too. And we were at uh, lunch the other day with my sister. We were uh, talking about it, and uh, I, I thought for sure my mother didn't know what she was talking about, but she absolutely watched uh, every episode. So that more she had, you know, she had a couple more to go, but she's enjoying it too. So it's for everybody. And let me just get to a couple of news stories before we call it a day. Uh, you know, I was reading. You know, they they changed a lot of the rules for the the World Series is going on right now, and they changed a lot of the rules for the. Uh, Major League Baseball this year uh, for the coronavirus edition, and they're all talking about how people really like it. And you know, they're all complaining because people like baseball. I know you guys hate when I talk about how stupid baseball is, but it is stupid. And you know, there's people who are like don't change anything. Uh, now the games are going so long. I was talking to John Vitti from the Boston Globe, and he's like, you know, football is very regulated. They like three hours. They want it to be one to four. You know, I mean, give or take. They want the next game to start at 4.15 or 4.20, you know, and the, the game to start at 8, and they like it regulated. And basketball, obviously, sometimes those games are two and a half hours, and, you know, hockey doesn't make a difference. But baseball clearly doesn't care. These games are going on for so long, and, of course, I brought up the point, I'm like, you know, that the best World Series ever was when the Phillies won because they split it into two parts because of rain. So I'm just saying, if you're trying to make young people like a certain sport like baseball because young people really just don't care unless you play it anymore. It's an old person's sport now. You're not doing yourself any favors by having people win the World Series trophy at midnight or one in the morning. That's what I'm saying. But this one guy, this Joel Sherman, uh, was saying that he's got some good suggestions for the rule changes, which I think are really good. Uh, one thing is what he was talking about with the playoffs that, you know, there were 16 teams this year. and It was kind of fun having each team get the best out of three. You know, I mean, I thought that was really good, but he was saying a good way to to do it. You know, 16 is too many. So you could do a 14. And he's saying because you, you want to make sure that the team that wins their division, you really don't want to, you know, you should get something for that. So he's saying. My thought on how to do that with 14 teams to give the team with the best record in each league a bye not to play in a best of three first round. I think that makes complete sense. That means teams that can get that perk to avoid the two out of three dice will play hard to end the regular season because you want to win the division. Then the other division winners in each league would receive home field in all three games plus. If they win game one, they advance. And if they lose game one, they can still advance by winning the next two. There would also be one series between the top two wildcard teams in each league that would just be a straight best of three. I like that. 
I like that plan a lot. So it gives you something for winning the division. He also says, you know, because they put an extra runner in overtime and uh, extra innings, a runner on second base. So I kind of like that too. But he says, and I like this plan, um, to to tether it a bit, his recommendation would be to play a 10th inning as if it were still tied. That makes a lot of sense. Then go to the runner on second to begin the 11th. Or another modification to consider, start the 10th inning with a runner on first. And if it's still tied after that, go to the runner on second. I like that plan. You've got to speed shit up. You have to. Because the games are just too long. And no one cares. And maybe it's it's funny that, again, it's funny that they write these, um, you know, Marvel movies that are almost three hours long. Because I thought people's attention spans were small. That's why I like these half-hour episodes of Emily in Paris or Woke or, you know, any of the ones that I'm watching. I like that a lot. Um, yeah, there's a uh, review on Emily in Paris in the post because I guess I guess people are watching. I mean, who knows what people are watching anymore? Also, they had something that they were talking about Jennifer Beals. Remember her? So they say a TV reboot of the classic '83 movie Flashdance is in development at CBS Access because you know that's what everybody's just doing—just remakes, remakes. Uh, a box office hit, grossing over 200 million. The movie launched Jennifer Beals. When you say launched, I mean, that's true. We all know who Jennifer Beals is because we know she's the girl from Flanchdash. But what do you say launched? Because, you know, what has she done since Flanchdash? Now, she's been in like a whole shitload of movies, but they're all bad or bombs. There's a couple we, there's actually only one that I know, uh, Vampire's Kiss with Nicolas Cage. You know, because this was in the 80s. You know, coming off like she did The Bride with Sting. Now, she, granted, she went back to school and stuff, but, you know, Julia Roberts took four years off, and we still know a lot of the movies she made after. I don't know whether she just made bad choices or she's just a bad actress, which I think is what it comes down to. Because look at the movies she did after Flashdance. Uh, tell me if you've heard of them. Sons, Dr. M, Blood and Concrete, In the Soup, Day of Atonement, The Thief of the Cobbler. What the fuck is this? Mrs. Parker in the Vicious Circle, The Search for One-Eyed Jimmy, Four Rooms, not till 1995, 12 years later, do I have Four Rooms because that's a Quentin Tarantino one that's an ensemble cast and she's not the star. Devil in a Blue Dress, I know that's, uh, you know, one of those horrible Denzel Washington movies that I hate. Let It Be Me, Wishful Thinking, Body and Soul, I mean, I could keep going. Turbulence 2, Fear of Flight, I mean, launched, her, what do you say, launched her career? What career? I mean, she's had a career, but I, I don't know whether you'd use it as launched because she's not like besides the L word on Showtime. I, I didn't even know she was still around and, and available for work. She grew up very attractive. She's older than me, but she's still really or are we the same age? Um, I'm sorry. We're exactly the same age and she's still really pretty. So, you know, a lot of times when a girl's a bad actress. If they grow up pretty and they're in their 50s and still pretty, they still get a lot of work. Because people applaud that, as do I. Man, when I see a 50-year-old, especially somebody who's had kids, and they're still good looking, I go I go like, I clap. I think that's wonderful. I think you can keep it up like that. That's really terrific. What's better than that? You know, because 
Because women get so screwed. They get a raw deal, especially in Hollywood. You know, once you hit a certain, it's not even the age. It's just you hit a certain type and you are done. Not to be heard of again. It's amazing that she's still working. I just say, using the word launched, you know, I just, that's the part I can't figure out. Uh, Now, here's something awesome. McDonald's, not McDonald's, this guy, this brilliant, brilliant man, Rashik Zahid, came up with an app called McBroken.com, a brilliant, brilliant app that you and I might have come across before, because as we all know, when you go to McDonald's, their ice cream machine is hit or miss. Choc- oh, the chocolate shake machine's not working. The ice cream machine's not working. You know, it's always like that. So this brilliant, brilliant man made an app that tells you which machines are working. So you, can, if you go in there for ice cream, you're going to know. Now, that is fucking genius. It's called McBroken.com. And it uses the magic of automation to check whether each one of the Golden Arches U.S. restaurants in the U.S. has ice cream available. The app places a red dot on a map for each location with a broken machine and a green dot for every store currently dishing up McFlurries. And they do it somehow like where they order it and every 30 minutes they order some ice cream. I swear to God, I can't figure out how they do it. And it won't go through the order if it's broken because their McDonald's app won't show it as available if it's not working every 30 minutes. Now, see, now that is a brilliant, necessary invention because if you go to McDonald's and you want McDonald's and then, of course, you want either ice cream or a chocolate shake, you know how disappointed you will get if you can't, if you're like, and I'm excited for the hot fudge Sunday after. Just like on Monday, I'm very excited for the hot fudge Sunday after the steak at Wolfgang's. Oh, my God. That's going to be so delicious. I can't even believe we're doing it. I am so excited. I just hope they have the full menu. I mean, if they, you know, sometimes we get there. I'm like, you do have the hot fudge Sunday, right? Because I can't – It the the whole meal, it's like it's like an Adam Schlesinger song or it's like a Mike Viola song. It's not satisfying until the hot fudge Sunday. See, that's the difference. There it is. Mike Viola, his hot fudge Sunday is not available. After the the big steak dinner, and Adam with Adam Schlesinger songs, the whole meal is perfect. Does that make sense? There you go. There's a nice cliche for you. Uh, Banksy, this this brilliant brilliant dude, who who is just so such an artist in every way, in the sense that we don't know who he is, and he paints all these things. He made a Monet that. Uh, is it? It's it's like a Monet, but it shows trash in the river and garbage can. It's it's absolutely brilliant. It shows a. It's called Bridge Over a Pond of Water Lilies with polluted with a polluted pond. And somebody, I think they bought it for ten million dollars. I mean, seriously, this guy is smart, and he's cool. I mean, it's going to be great one day when he reveals himself and we learn more about him. And uh, finally. You know, everybody's been doing TV shows that we like have been doing reunions, but a lot of them are doing reunions for Democratic fundraisers. And uh, there was one that was last night. I can't. Oh, I think it was Seinfeld. I just heard about it too late. I don't know where you can get it. But if you donate, you can watch it. I'm hoping they're going to come out on YouTube anyway. I don't want to donate to the Democratic Party yet. But Happy Days is going to go on with Ron Howard and Anson Williams and Henry Winkler, and they're going to do a reading 
a reunion reading uh, for Wisconsin, for the Wisconsin Democrats, which, you know, because it takes place in Milwaukee, on Sunday night at 7, which I kind of want to see because I kind of want to donate something. I think you have to, did it say how much you had to donate? Just a dollar. And then you can see it. kind of want to watch. I mean, why wouldn't I want to watch, you know? That sounds like fun. I wouldn't mind seeing the Seinfeld one. Uh, But I don't know whether Jerry was involved, so I'm not sure. But, I mean, these kind of things, when they work, they work. You know, we hate that Fast Times at Ridgemont High one, and then we don't even know what that was for, and that they didn't even care. But, you know, when you talk about the original cast, then you can't go wrong, really. You know, if Fast Times had put the original cast together, that would have been better than these snobby stars. Still calling Jennifer Aniston a star? I guess she is. But these snobs that just were like, hey, okay, this will be great for the kids. It's like a joke. Still really angry about that. And I can't stomach Matthew McConaughey at this point. And he's everywhere because he's either got a movie or a book. He was on Bill Maher last night. He was on Howard this week. And I just can't take him or his voice or his serious attitude. And especially after doing a horrible demone, he's out. And the other thing is they're... They're saying they're taking the great pumpkin, Charlie Brown. It's moving to Apple TV and that it might not appear on ABC this year. Well, boy, I'm having some mixed feelings about that. I know that things have to move on and I could watch it anytime I want. And I usually just DVR it anyway and watch it when I want. But there's something about it being on Channel 7 or whatever channel on network television that somehow makes it more special i don't know i mean i know i could just see it whenever i want and times have changed and i can watch it but this i mean this is why i still have cable tv i mean there's something about it airing that night that i know it aired and it's still around and other people like it that makes it work for me i i know i could see it on demand or whatever all the time but i don't know it's uh this this guy is talking. This is in the the Starlet. You know, I pick it up on the thing, and he was like, "It's the great pumpkin." Charlie Brown premiered in '66, then moved to ABC in 2001. That is more than a half century of broadcasting the inherent peanut celebration. ABC hasn't set a date yet for the great pumpkin special, but the plan likely means the end of the tradition of turning on the TV and watching Linus's futile quest. To see the great pumpkin. I know this is here. The guy writes exactly what we're saying. I know what you're saying. Big deal. It's streaming for free. What's your problem, grandma? Well, it's rather rude to assume my Democratic, my uh, whatever. uh, And while the overwhelming majority of Americans have web access, the service is not universal yet. If you're not, if you're older or economically challenged for living in a pumpkin patch without good reception, you still may be relying on TV for entertainment. Well, that's not a good enough excuse anymore. But ultimately, the shift to streaming the Great Pumpkin doesn't amount to a hill of roasted seeds in a year of pandemic and political strife. This Halloween staying safe, blah, blah, blah. Still, I'm bitter. Just add the Great Pumpkin TV night to the other traditions being chipped away by the Internet, like privacy and legitimate news sources. If ABC doesn't schedule the special, I may just sit in front of my TV set on Halloween night anyway and wait for the Great Pumpkin to air because my viewing habits are the most sincere. He's got to pick my TV. He's got to. She's doing the pumpkin patch gag. I don't see how a viewer could be more sincere than me. Nothing but sincerity as far as my TV listings can see. It's actually a woman who wrote it. I'm sorry, Julie Hines. I think I was being sexist thinking it was a man. That's rude of me. I got I to gotta get woke, man. I got to get woke.
Well, that's our show for today. I hope it was good enough for you. You know, I mean, I, I, I'm struggling. I'm struggling to come up with because uh, I'm not going out. I'm not doing anything. So, you know, thank God I thank God I go out once or twice a week, uh, like on Wednesdays, to 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 regale you with stories. I, you know, I've been talking to people that are listening to the podcast, and um, I, you know, they do tell me that they enjoy the New York City stories. You know, people from who live out of town and stuff, and that makes me happy that uh, you guys appreciate it as much as I like bringing it to you. So. Why not play a classic uh, song called Manhattan Skyline from the greatest, you know, movies of all time, Saturday Fever, right? I mean, when you you hear this, you just want to walk over the Verrazano Bridge, right? And be like, come on. Hey, Tony, look at me. Hey, Tony, look at me. Why didn't you call me? You said you was going to call me. Come, Bobby. I swear to God, Bobby, just come over here. I will talk. We'll definitely talk. Hey, do the whole scene. Just by myself. I don't need nobody, right? I think I really want to do a Land of the Lost bit. If I can show myself in front of the green screen with my uh, puppet pal, Bernie. And we get, you know, we're dropped a thousand years below. But we, you know, it's got to be all games where you come to 2020 and everybody's just wearing masks and eating outside in the cold. It seems like that gag can work every time for a long period of time. But anyway... That's our show for today. Uh, don't forget, obviously, to watch tonight. We have a great show, Family Guy-oriented, uh, t- t- a bunch of TV guys working in television, uh, what I like their lives, probably. But they're great guys. It should be a fun show. Next week is Election Day, when our show will come out. That's going to be crazy. And, of course, before the election, so that ought to be kind of interesting. We don't know what to expect, but it should be quite the interesting week leading up to the election. Everybody's got to vote. I made sure anybody I'm having on my show, they must vote. Anybody on the election day I'm going to have on, I'm like, are you going to vote? I need to know you voted because I will not have a person on my show talking about an election that has not voted. I don't care if they don't like anybody. You have to vote, folks. Everybody knows that. You must go there and vote or mail in your ballot. And I must have proof of that before anybody comes on this show complaining about anything. Because this country, no matter who wins, is the best country. USA! USA! Good night, everybody! (laughs) 